نستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. And I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger we begin uh, this lecture number 25 with a quick review of the points which we covered in the last lecture from the explanation or the sharh of al-aqidah al-tahawiyyah by Imam Abu Ja'far al-Tahawi rahimahullah in the previous points which we discussed he said in point number 75 وَنَقُولُوا اللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ فِيمَا اشْتَبَهَا عَلَيْنَا عِلْمُهُ we say Allahu أَعْلَمُ Allah knows best Allah is the most knowledgeable concerning any matter which is unclear or doubtful to us uh, this is what is expected from a Muslim that if we don't have knowledge of a thing if it is unclear to us concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and particularly the matters related to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than to guess or conjecture we should say Allahu A'lamu Allah is the most knowledgeable Allah is the best knower to speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the deen of Allah without knowledge is a sin it is haram to do so it is one of the greatest sins and one of the greatest evils and therefore we are commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning those matters about which we have no knowledge to refer it back to He the one who has all knowledge the all-knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself we mentioned last week some of the uh, ayats from the Quran and hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam which confirmed this point or this position that it is correct and proper and expected from a Muslim uh, to say Allah knows best and those matters about which we have no knowledge Imam Tahawi goes on to say in point number 76 as we discussed last week وَنَرَى الْمَسْحَ عَلَى الْخُفَّيْنِ فِي السَّفَرِ وَالْحَضَرِ كَمَا جَاءَ فِي الْأَثَرِ we hold the position or the opinion of the permissibility of al-mashu or wiping over kufs, socks, etc. for ablution while traveling or resident as has been transmitted in the authentic traditions of the Prophet and the sayings of the Sahaba and those who came after them. And we mentioned briefly that this matter of wiping over the socks al-mashu 
it is an issue that is normally considered to be of the matters of Islamic jurisprudence, al-fiqh. Yet, it is mentioned here and in many of the books of Aqidah of the scholars of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah due to the fact that this position that wiping over the socks is permissible for the resident or the traveler is the well-known position of the people of Sunnah and that position has been contradicted and rejected by the Rafida or the Shia so it became an issue of Aqidah, it became an issue of identification of the people of Sunnah by accepting the permissibility of wiping over the socks whereas the Shia rejected such a position or an opinion or a ruling even though there is consensus of the Muslim Ummah and they are mutawatir innumerable chains of narrations of authentic hadith from the Prophet concerning such the next point that we mentioned last week point number 77 وَالْجِهَادُ مَاضِيَانِ مَعَعُولِ الْأَمْرِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ That the performance of Hajj or pilgrimage to Mecca and jihad fighting in the cause of Allah will remain standing obligations behind or under the authority of the Muslim rulers يعني مَعَعُولِ الْأَمْرِ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ means that these are obligations upon the Muslims under the authority of those who have power over the affairs of the Muslims from amongst the Muslims not if the disbelievers are ruling in the Muslim lands uh, this is not applicable to them and Imam At-Tarawi goes on to say Birrihim wa fajirihim ila qiyam al-sa'a that this, these are standing obligations on the Muslims al-hajj wal-jihad under the authority of the Muslim rulers whether they are righteous or unrighteous and this ruling is lasting until the hour of judgment لا يبطلهما شيء ولا ينقضهما and nothing can abolish nullify or suspend these obligations of both al-hajj and al-jihad in the way of Allah and we said basically that the, that the purpose some of the scholars mentioned that the purpose uh, for their being an authority in these matters is because al-hajj and jihad normally require traveling and when the Muslims are traveling there should be uh, someone in charge of their affairs to look out for the interests of the Muslims and this uh, benefit is achieved whether the ruler or the Amir or the one in charge is righteous or unrighteous uh, the order and organization of the people under the authority of a leader is a necessary matter and its benefit is achieved whether that ruler was the best of us or other than that also uh, <coughs> a Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani hafizahullah may Allah protect and preserve him mentioned another point which we're just passing uh, passing over the fact that jihad is of two types fard ayn and fard kifaya and both of these types of jihad fard ayn that which is obligatory on every individual Muslim in the case when a Muslim land has been attacked by the non-Muslims it becomes obligatory on every Muslim to participate in that jihad to remove those disbelievers from the land of the Muslims as well as the Fard Kifaya which is a jihad which is established for the purpose of establishing Islam in the earth and establishing the law of Allah in the earth that jihad is Fard Kifaya as long as some of the Muslims perform it then the other Muslims are free of blame uh, then we went on to point number 78 
where Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah says وَنُؤْمِنُوا بِالْكِرَامِ الْكَاتِبِينَ فَإِنَّ وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ جَعَلَهُمْ عَلَيْنَ حَافِظِينَ That we believe in Al-Qiram Al-Katibin, the noble recording angels, verily Allah has assigned them as Hafidun, guardians over us, protecting and preserving our speech and our actions. Uh, <coughs> here there was mention of the fact that these angels remain with us in all conditions, as, and as some of the scholars, though it's not reported authentically from the Prophet wasallam. But it is reported from some of the scholars of the early generation of the Muslims, such as Al-Hasan al-Basri, as was reported by Al-Imam al-Baghawi in his tafsir, that the angels, these recording angels, that they do not separate from the human being, except in two cases, when they have to relieve themselves, going to the toilet, or when uh, one has sexual relations with their spouse. And we also mentioned here uh, that these angels have been described by the terms Raqib, Atid, and some of the scholars said that these are the two names of two angels, but in fact the correct opinion, as we mentioned in some detail in the, in the previous lecture, is that these are descriptions which its meaning is that they are present and ready to record the actions and the speech of the human beings. This is a description of the two angels that accompany every human being, and those angels alternate by day and by night two angels with the person in the daytime and then alternating with two angels who spend their time with that person in the nighttime. and these angels which accompany the human being and they are innumerable they are described by this term Raqib, Aqid as mentioned in Surah Al-Qaf chapter 50 verse 18 and these are not actually the names of angels and Allah knows best then we mention in point Number 79, the saying of Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah وَنُؤْمِنُوا بِمَلَكِ الْمَوْتِ الْمُوَكَّلِ بِقَبْدِ أَرْوَاحِ الْعَالَمِينَ We also believe in the angel of death, Malak al-Mawt, the one who is charged or given the assignment of taking the souls of every living being, human or jinn. We believe that there is actually an angel, that angel as has been mentioned by some of the scholars uh, by the name Israel this name is not authentically reported in the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, nor is it mentioned in the Quran and in fact uh, the correct name for the angel of death is as it is mentioned in the Quran Malik al-Mawt who is responsible for directly taking the soul of the human being at the time of their death and we also said that there are some ayats in the Quran which mention that Allah is the one who takes the soul of the human beings at the time of their death and there is no contradiction here because the correct meaning is that Allah is the sabab or the cause He is the one who commissioned Malak al-Mawt to take the souls of the human beings He is the one who gave him the ability to do so and the permission to do so in that sense it has been ascribed to Allah that He takes the soul of the human being while the one who he actually sends and empowers to do so is the angel of death Malak al-Mawt and then we said in point number 80 the statement of Al-Imam al-Tahawi Rahimahullah we also believe kana we believe in the punishment of the grave for those who are deserving of such and also the questioning of the two angels Munkar and Nakir 
while the person is placed in the grave an rabbihi wa dinihi wa nabihi that they, they will ask him being about his lord who is his lord and who what is his religion and who is his prophet in these things as imam tahawi says ala ma ja'at bihi al akhbar an rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam wa an as sahaba ridwanullah alayhim that these uh, beliefs are based on the authentic reports or narrations that came to us from the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam and those reports which came to us from the companions of the messenger of allah radiyallahu anhum ajma'in wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we just mentioned here briefly some proofs concerning the fact that there is really punishment in the grave uh, and that these things are true as confirmed in the Quran and in the Sunnah and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on many occasions used to supplicate with a number of different supplications seeking refuge in Allah from the punishment in the grave this is sufficient for us uh, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would not continuously and repeatedly seek refuge in Allah from something that is not a reality and the last point which we covered last week point number 81 the statement of Imam Tahawi rahimahullah walqabru imma rawdatun aw rawdatun min riyadu jannah aw hufratun min hufr an niran and we also believe that the qabr the grave is either a garden from the gardens of paradise or a pitch or ditch from the pits of hell fire and we said that this statement rawdatun min riyadu jannah a garden from the gardens of paradise and hufratun min hufr al-niran a ditch from the ditches of hellfire has been reported in unauthentic hadith yani unreliable hadith it is not a statement of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam by this wording but there are innumerable hadith which confirm the meaning of this that in fact the person when they are placed in the grave would either be in a garden like one of the gardens of paradise or they would be in a ditch like one of the ditches of the hellfire either being rewarded by Allah with na'im or blessings or being punished by Allah with azab uh, tonight we would like to continue with the following statements of Imam Al-Tahawi uh, where he says in point number 82 وَنُؤْمِنُوا بِالْبَعْثِ وَجَزَاءِ الْأَعْمَالِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ وَأَرْضِ وَالْحِسَابِ وَقِرَاءَةِ الْكِتَابِ وَالثَّوَابِ وَالْعِقَابِ وَالصِّرَاطِ وَالْمِزَانِ We believe in the ba'ath that is the resurrection of the dead وَجَزَاءِ الأعمال يوم القيامة and the rewarding or recompense for deeds on the day of resurrection والأرض the open display of deeds when people's actions and deeds would be displayed openly in front of the whole of creation all people having been resurrected and standing in a similar or common ground waiting for the judgment that people's deeds would be displayed openly some would be humiliated and disgraced due to the display of that which they did in this world sometimes secretly not realizing or believing or paying attention to the reality of the fact that whatever we do in this world whether openly or secretly it would be shown on Yawm Qiyamah except those whom Allah may cover up out of His mercy 
Walhisabi, that is being called to account for one's deeds, we believe that people will be called to account. That deeds would be counted up, would be weighed. And people would be uh, charged for what they have done. Waqira'atil kitabi, and the reading of the records, the reading of the books of deeds, of the person's deeds, the good deeds uh, being given uh, to the person in their right hand, or the deeds being given to the left, in their left hand, meaning their, that their evil deeds would outweigh their bad deeds. Al-Sawab wal Iqab, that there would be reward for one's deeds, and there would be punishment for one's deeds according to whether they were good or evil, obedience to Allah or disobedience, whether they were done sincerely for the sake of Allah or otherwise. And As-Sirat, that is the bridge over the hellfire, uh, which would be thinner than a strain of hair and sharper than a sharp knife. And everyone would have to cross over it, either to enter into the paradise or to fall into the hellfire. Al-Mizan, the scales, which have two sides, one for weighing the good deeds and one for weighing the evil deeds. Uh, these are some of the matters that have been authentically reported in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ or specifically mentioned in the text of the Qur'an. The Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumayyis Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, says concerning these points briefly, in his brief explanation, that the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, of the things, of amongst those things that we believe in, the Aqeedah of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, is we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would raise up the dead. Allah would raise up, give life to the dead on that day of resurrection. And that He would reward them according to their deeds. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Taghabun, chapter 64, verse 7, قُلْ بَلَى وَرَبِّي لَتُبَعَثُنَّ ثُمَّ لَتُنَبَّعُنَّ بِمَا عَمِلْتُمْ وَذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ Say, indeed, no indeed, by my Lord, you would definitely be raised up, and you would definitely be informed of what you have done and that is easy for Allah and also we believe the people of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah we believe in the Ard in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he says in Surah Al-Haqqa chapter 69 verse 18 يَوْمَ إِذِنْ تُعْرَضُونَ لَا تَخْفَى مِنْكُمْ خَافِيَةً on that day when you will be brought forth out into the open in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no deed, however insignificant or hidden it might be, however small it might be, no deed would be hidden on that day of the Ard when people's deeds would be openly displayed. Except whom Allah, out of His mercy, covers up. And also we believe in Al-Hisab, the accounting Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call to account every human being according to their deeds and the reading of the books or the records as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra chapter 17 verse 14 اقرأ كتابك كفى بنفسك اليوم عليك حسيبا That Allah will order the people on that day اقرأ كتابك Read your book يعني your record of your deeds Read your own book you will read it so that it will be clear that nothing will be added to it against you except what is really there. 
and you will be it, you will be sufficient يعني, or your deeds, your book will be a sufficient uh, account against you on that day you will be sufficient as an account against your own self on that day and also the punishment and the reward for the people who did good deeds and evil deeds and the good deeds will be multiplied by ten and even increased more than that those people who did good deeds Allah would not only reward them with one reward for every good deed but he would multiply the reward for good deeds by ten by multiples of ten or even more than that as, as he wills whereas the evil deeds would only be uh, counted one evil deed for one deed and with the evil deeds Allah even forgives and with the good deeds Allah multiplies them many times over and with the evil deeds Allah only holds you to account one evil deed for one evil deed and many of those sins Allah would overlook and pardon the people for them many of them and we also believe in a sirat that is the bridge over which the people would have to cross over the flames of the fire and it would be thinner than the hair strain of hair and sharper than a sword the righteous would cross over it into paradise some of them swiftly like lightning or as a speeding horse or otherwise some of them slowly some crawling at different speeds according to their deeds and some would fall off would be taken would be snatched by hooks and pulled into the hellfire those who uh, due to their deeds deserve to be punished and we also believe in al-mizan the scales, the balance in which the deeds of the human being would be weighed and it is a real scale in one side of it would be weighed the hasanat or the good deeds and in the other side of it would be weighed the sayyat or the evil deeds then Imam, these are some of the things that should be a warning to every one of us to be careful and conscious of our deeds because these things are reality and we will be faced with them on that day Yom Al-Qiyamah Imam Tahawi Rahimahullah goes on to say in point number 83 وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتَانِ that the paradise and the hellfire are both created yani they are created existing entities لا تَفْنَيَانِ أَبَدًا وَلَا تَبِيدَانِ These two, the paradise and the hellfire, they will never perish or cease to exist or come to an end. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى خَلَقَ الْجَنَّةَ وَالنَّارَ قَبْلَ الْخَلْقِ وَخَلَقَ لَهُمَا أَحْلًا Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the paradise and the hellfire before the creation of the creatures and he created people to inhabit or to dwell in each of those places when Allah created the hellfire and the paradise he also created for each of them the people who would reside in them فَمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْهُمْ إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ فَضْلًا مِنْهُ then whoever he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
wills shall enter the paradise due to the fadl, the favor and the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not due to the great amount of our deeds, but due to the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ شَاءَ مِنْهُمْ إِلَى النَّارِ عَضْلًا مِنْهُ And whoever he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wills shall enter the hellfire resulting from his adl, his justice. Yani whoever enters the hellfire, it will be due to the adl, the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No injustice, even of the least amount, will be done to anyone. And then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi rahimahullah closes this point by saying, uh, وَكُلٌّ يَعْمَلُ لِمَا قَدْ فُرِغَ لَهُ وَصَائِرٌ إِلَى مَا خُلِقَ لَهُ And everyone uh, will do the deeds in accordance with what has been destined for him. And in accordance to what Allah has decreed in the divine decree and Qadr al-Qadr. And everyone is moving. And in this life everyone is moving towards whatever destination he was created for or he is moving towards that which was created for him that is the destination that was created for him or that which he has been created for and you may also refer back to the statement of Imam Tahawi in point number 44 where we discussed this in more detail the fact that everyone uh, has been uh, ordained a place in paradise or the hellfire and that the people would do the deeds or they would die on those deeds that would be the seal of their destination to the paradise or the hellfire. And he closes here by saying that everyone is moving towards that which they were created for. And this is a reminder to us that in this world we are constantly daily, hour by hour and minute by minute, we are moving towards the destination that has been decreed for us, that was created for us, or that which we were created for. And we should be careful and conscious of the way we act uh, and we should supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regularly to help us, to grant us success out of His mercy and His bounty that we would be of those people who do the deeds of the people of paradise that we may enter that which Allah has prepared for the Ahl Jannah. The Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis, Hafidhullah, in this point he says briefly that the Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah believe in the existence of the paradise and the hellfire and that these two entities are created and they are present now. They are not something to be created later but they are already in existence. And that the Jannah or paradise is the home or destination, the resting place of the Muttaqeen, the righteous, the people of Taqwa. And the hellfire is the home or the final resting place of the Kafirin and the Muznibin that is the disbelievers and those who commit sins who disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from amongst the Muslims and if the hellfire is the home of the kafirs permanently and it is also the home temporarily of the disobedient sinful unrighteous Muslims as for the fire of the sinful Muslims that fire will not be everlasting it will not be everlasting because the believers, the Muslims who died on Tawheed but who committed sins for which they would be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if He doesn't forgive them they would eventually be taken out of the hellfire but as for the fire of the disbelievers there is no end to it it would never end it would not cease to exist it is eternal because the people of hellfire, the disbelievers 
the kuffar and the mushrikun, they will stay in the hellfire forever, never to come out of it. As for the paradise, and this is the point, yani, the eternal nature of the hellfire is a point about which there is difference of opinion, and there are a number of opinions uh, from amongst the Muslim ummah, as well as outside of the Muslim ummah, if there is a chance we may mention something from that, if there is time. Uh, but the correct opinion is that the hellfire is eternal, that it will never cease to exist, and that the disbelievers and the mushrik pagans will never come out of it. As for the paradise, the Jannah, it will never cease to exist. And these two things, that is the paradise and the hellfire, Allah has created them before He created the creatures that are going to enter them. And Allah has created for each of those places, the paradise and the hellfire, a people who would inhabit each of them. As for the people of paradise, Allah makes it easy for them to do the deeds of the people of paradise. Allah makes it easy for the people of paradise to do the deeds of the people of paradise, but they are expected to strive, not to rely upon the fact that they may be of the people of paradise, because nobody knows until the last moment of their life what they will die on. So no one should feel satisfied or confident or safe that I'm, I've made it and I'm on my way to paradise. Therefore, since I'm already going there, no need to strive and struggle. But everyone must work towards that uh, which they have been destined for. And Allah will make it easy for the one who is destined for it to do the deeds of that place. As for the people of the hellfire, Allah will make it easy for them to do the deeds of the hellfire. As you see, the disbelievers and the mushriks so easily committing sins and acts of disobedience and kufr and shirk without any hesitation, without any difficulty. Whereas the believer, the one who has iman in their heart, if they commit a sin, if they do wrong, it's difficult for them. To the extent that their iman is strong, it becomes more and more difficult to commit any act, even a small act of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to the extent that their iman is weak, to the extent that it decreases and decreases, to that extent they become closer to the disbelievers and easier to commit the acts of the disbelievers or the sins or disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he says that the people of paradise, they will enter it by the faddal, by the favor and the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the people of the hellfire, they will enter it due to the justice the absolute justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everyone would do the deeds that are in accordance with that which has been decreed for him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everyone is moving on towards that which Allah has decreed for him. Just a few comments here from Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, Hafidhahullah, concerning the everlasting eternal nature of the paradise and the hellfire, he says, know that the fire in the next life is of two types. One fire which will extinguish or end, and another fire which will remain forever and will never cease to exist. The first of them which would be extinguished, which would not be lasting, is the fire of the disobedient sinful people from amongst the Muslims. And the next one, the other fire, is the fire of the kuffar and the mushrikeen, the disbelievers and pagans. This is a summary of that which has been mentioned and researched in detail 
by Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahimahullah in his book Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib and this is the truth about which there is no doubt and it is that which the evidences together all of the evidences collected together indicate then the Shaykh says don't be fooled or misled by that which has been mentioned by the explainer the Sharih of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah that is Al-Imam Ibn Abil Iz in this matter don't be misled by what he has said nor by what was said by Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim in his book Shifa Al-Aliyah and in his book Hadi Al-Arwah in these two books and in the explanation of Al-Imam Ibn Abil Iz they came to a different conclusion which is not the correct conclusion uh, and it is that which is in contradiction to the combination of the evidences clear evidences from the Quran and from the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam there is no in what they have said that the hellfire would cease to exist that it is not eternal in the, the, second, the other opinion of Ibn, Ibn al-Qayyim and the opinion of Ibn Abi al-Iz and even it has been attributed in some of the writings of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah that he also stated this opinion that the hellfire would not be eternal that it would cease to exist uh, there is no he says, the Shaykh says there is no dalil sarih sahih there is no evidence which is clear which is both clear and authentic which indicates that the fire of the disbelievers would cease to exist there is no evidence which clearly indicates that and if there is something which clearly indicates that it's not sahih and there is no sahih hadith or proof which clearly indicates that there may be something which indicates that but it's not sahih or there may be something sahih in the matter but it's not clear it's not clear that it really indicates that it could have more than one meaning so there are two types of proof that they have used to, to prove this opinion that the hellfire of the disbelievers would cease to exist some of them are not authentic and some of them are authentic but they are not clearly indicating the point that they are trying to prove as for the clear and authentic hadith they prove the opposite that the hellfire of the disbelievers is eternal that it would never cease to exist and this is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Hijr chapter 15 verse 48 that no uh, the people of paradise that no uh, tiredness or difficulty would afflict them in the paradise وَمَاهُمْ مِنْهَا بِمُخْرِجِينَ and they would never come out of it they would never come out of the paradise then this is clear that the paradise is everlasting and similarly Allah said concerning the disbelievers وَمَاهُمْ بِخَارِجِينَ مِنَ النَّارِ in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 167 that the disbelievers that they would never come out of the hellfire this is also a clear proof that just as if the believers would never come out of the paradise it's an indication that the paradise is eternal 
So also, as Allah states clearly here, the disbelievers would never come out of the hellfire, therefore it is a clear indication that the hellfire is also permanent and eternal. And then the Shaykh Al-Albani, Hafizullah says, that which has been reported from Umar, radiallahu anhu, and others, have not been reported with authentic isnads or chains of narration, as he has made clear in his comments on the sharh, the comments of Shaykh Al-Albani on the explanation of Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah in the expansive or comprehensive explanation of Imam Ibn Abil Iz. In that explanation, the evidences or the hadith which were mentioned and the reports that were, that were mentioned from the companions of the Prophet were, were shown and clarified by Shaykh Al-Albani in his comments on that uh, book were shown to be unauthentic. And also he has mentioned these reports and shown and proven their, un, their inauthenticity in his book Al-Silsila Al-Ahadith Al-Da'ifa in the second volume Hadith from number 606 to 607 yani Hadith number 606 and 607 uh, in, these, in these two Hadith yani he uh, clarified and shown that they are not authentic. Uh, and also, there's some expensive comments uh, of Shaykh al-Albani in his checking and commentary on the book of Al-Imam Al-Amir Al-Sanani, uh, his book Raf Al-Astar Li-Ibtal Adillat Al-Qailina Bifana Al-Nar, yani removing the covers uh, to show the incorrectness of the evidences of those who said that the hellfire is not eternal, that the, that the hellfire is, yani will end, or it will cease to exist. In that book, Al-Amir Al-Sin'ani, Rahimahullah, brought many, many evidences and showed many, many proofs, and also Shaykh Al-Albani, Hafizullah, made comments on that book, yani going even further. Uh, finally, Shaykh Al-Albani says, concerning the statement of Al-Imam Al-Sahawi, يَعْمَلُوا لِمَا قَدْ فُرِغَ لَهُ That everyone would do the deeds uh, which are in accordance with that which has been decreed for him. He said, this statement is uh, pointing to the saying of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa in a hadith sahih which has been mentioned in the book Al-Mishkat Al-Masabi uh, hadith number 113 and also in As-Sunnah, the book of Ibn Abdul Az Al-Atim, hadith number 303 to 309, and there are many other such hadith. He says this, this point is indicated in the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he said, Allahu ila kulli abdin min khalqihi min khamsin, that Allah has decreed, or He has finished from the matter, and He made the final decree for all of His servants of His creation, five matters. من أجله ورزقه وأثره ومضجعه وشقي أو سعيد يعني that Allah has decreed and sealed the matter uh, five matters for every uh, person and those five matters are the matter of his lifespan his ajal and the matter of his sustenance, his rizq and, and, and أثره perhaps أثره which is difficult uh, to explain, but I searched in many places to try to find the explanation of the scholars for this term, 
and unfortunately I didn't find anything clear but it seems as though from all of the hadith that I found concerning it the Atharihi perhaps it means uh, the traces of his steps or it may indicate um, that Allah has decreed his moving about from place to place or where he would travel in his lifetime and Allah knows best and Madja'ihi also is a difficult term to explain it means a bed or place where someone rests and perhaps also I couldn't find any clear explanation for it but perhaps the meaning of it is the resting place of someone they abode or perhaps more specifically it means their final resting place or the place of their death as Allah mentioned in the Quran that nobody knows where they would die but, uh, or in which land that they would die but Allah has already decreed such and Allah knows best what's the meaning of these two words but I hope that the meaning of them is as I have said and if not may Allah uh, yeah, and he clarify for us the correct interpretation of these words and the final of those things that he mentioned is uh, Allah has already decreed whether or not a person will be unfortunate of those wretched people who will be in the hellfire or who will be of those who are fortunate or happy or those who will enter the paradise so this, this, is, this is a hadith, one of the many hadith which have been reported with slightly different wordings uh, authentically from the Prophet ﷺ which indicate the fact that these matters are already decreed and from amongst those things is whether uh, those people who would enter the paradise and those people who would enter the hellfire it's already decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we mentioned previously in our discussions concerning al-qadr al-qadr in detail we talked about these things previously um, uh, that these things are based on the fact not that a human being is forced to do whatever they do but that Allah who, who has knowledge of everything knows what would happen and what every person would be would do in their lifetime and therefore Allah had, has it, had it written and what would happen but it doesn't mean that people are destined to do something meaning that they are forced to do it against their will but no, the human being is given a will by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the human being is given a power or ability to execute their will, will and therefore they are accountable for what they do and their destination is determined by their own hands the next point of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi is point number 84 والخير والشر مقدران على العباد that al-khair or good and al-shar evil these both have been decreed or ordained or fixed for the people for the ibad the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from amongst the believers as well as the disbelievers these things are things that have been ordained or written uh, as a trial for the human being yani the khair and shar are a trial uh, to see yani who will be best in deeds or in actions in this world the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumais Hafizullah says that al-khair and al-shar the good and evil these two things are existing and they will continue to be according to the qada of Allah and the qadr of Allah according to Allah's divine decree that which he has fixed and that which he executes or brings uh, into existence after he decreed it to be yani Allah decreed these things to be in his divine decree before the creation of the heavens and earth and the human beings and then Allah actually brings these things into existence at the time that he willed it to be and this is uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 78, قُلْ كُلٌّ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ 
say that all of it is from the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of it is from Allah. Kul, kullun min indillah. And this is uh, a statement that came in the Quran concerning those who, uh, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ حَسَنَةٌ يَقُولُوا هَذِهِ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ That when any good thing came to them, they would say, this is from Allah. وَإِن تُصِبْهُمْ سَيِّئَةٌ يَقُولُوا هَذِهِ مِنْ عِنْدِكَ But when any harm or evil came to them, they would say, this is from you, O Muhammad wasallam, And they would blame it on him. If good came to them, they said, this is from Allah. But when any harm came to them or something they didn't like, calamity, affliction, disaster, sickness or whatever, loss of life or wealth, they would say, this is due to you and what you have brought to us, the message that you brought to us. This is the cause of the evil that has come to us. Then Allah corrected them saying, Kul kullun min indillah. Yani everything is by the decree of Allah. If good or harm comes to you, it's as Allah decreed it to be. He corrected their misunderstanding and their false accusation of the Prophet ﷺ. Just as the disbelievers of the past also blamed their prophets for any harm that came to them, they did it to Musa ﷺ, the Bani Israel. When good came to them, they said it was from Allah. And when any harm came to them, they blamed it on Musa ﷺ. But we should know that a khair and a shar, that the khair is that which Allah has made easy for us and the sharp is that which uh, is due to the, what our own hands have done. Yani due to our sin, our sin and our disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as is clarified in the following verse in Surah An-Nisa uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says مَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ uh, yani that what, what, whatever of good has come to you in the religious matters as well as in, as, as well as in the worldly matters Allah, then this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani Allah is the one who made it easy and made the facility for this good to come to you and uh, yani, uh, allowed for you to have to enjoy some good. But whatever, whenever any evil befalls you, whether in the worldly things or in the deen, Allah says this is from your own self. Yani due to your sins or that which you have earned, even though Allah pardons and overlooks much. Yani whenever any good comes to you, know that it is really due to Allah's bounty and favor and mercy to you. And whenever any harm comes to you or any uh, dislike thing, know that this is due to your own hands. Your, what your own hands have earned, your own sins. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that good is from Allah and that the harm that comes to you is min nafsik from your own self. But all of it is decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has decreed all of it. Allah is the one who decreed it and Allah is the one who brings it into point. I hope bi ta'ala that Allah will help me to explain it properly. Al-Mutahawi says here, Wal istata'atu التي يجب بها الفعل الاستطاعة that is the capability of doing something or the ability to do, to do something استطاعة الاستطاعة التي يجب بها الفعل the استطاعة which assures the occurrence of an action يعني that ability or capability which assures that something will happen there are two types of استطاعة one that is 
from the power of Allah and one is the ability of the human being the human being that has strength, that has good health, that has instruments or tools or whatever that they may use to uh, to implement or to enact whatever they want to do these two uh, things he is talking about here, he says Al-Istata'a, the one which assures or guarantees that an action will occur such as, he says here مِن نَحْوِ التَّوْفِيقِ الَّذِي لَا يُوصَفَ الْمَخْلُوقِ بِهِ يعني that istata'a such as the tawfiq or the guarantee of success in any matter which is not a characteristic of the created beings but this characteristic, the tawfiq or the guarantee that something will happen is only with Allah, it is exclusive for Allah no human being can guarantee anything if the farmer, as we always says, plants the seeds and tills the land and does everything that's necessary for the crops to grow, there's still no guarantee that he will have a good harvest except by permission from Allah. He has the ability to till the land and plant the seeds and do those things that the human being can do, but the istata'a, the guarantee of success, is another istata'a and that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So here, Imam Tahawi says that istata'a, capability of doing something, which assures the occurrence of an action such as the tawfiq or the guarantee of success in a matter which is not a characteristic of the created beings but is exclusive to Allah alone this istata'a, he says takunu ma'a al-fi'l yani that this istata'a, this ability only occurs at the time of performing the action yani no one has this ability before they actually do the action because this is the tawfiq or the guarantee of success that is with Allah but he says أَمَّا الْإِسْتَطَاعَةُ مِنْ جِهَةَ الصِّحَّةِ وَالْوُصْعِ وَالْتَمْكِينِ وَالسَّلَامَةِ الْآلَاتِ فَهِيَ قَبْلَ الْفِعْلِ As for the istata'a, the second type of istata'a capacity or capability of doing something which refers to good health, strength, control and having operative operative limbs, instruments, tools, etc. having the things that is necessary to do anything as for this istata'a this one, Imam Tahawi says فَهِيَ قَبْلَ الْفِعْلِ يعني this istata'a, this capability or ability is possessed by the person before the action يعني even before you do the action you have a certain ability to do something يعني you have good strength, you have good health you have the instruments or tools that you need to do what you want to do that's called istata'a, ability or capability like a person who has good health and wealth and time to go and make hajj they have a safe way to get there, a vehicle, transportation, whatever they have all the things that you need to go to hajj that a person is capable of having before doing it but the istata'a that only comes to the person at the time of actually doing it that guarantees you or gives you the ability to actually implement and enact that thing that you want to do this is only with Allah and that's why some people intend to make hajj and they have everything that you need to make hajj but when time for hajj comes they don't go because that istata'a, that ability is with Allah what Allah has decreed if Allah didn't decree it then you will not be able to do it even though you have everything of the worldly matters that you need in order to do it but you cannot do it in worldly things, we will see, for example, that two people train for a competition, a boxing match, racing, or whatever. And one is stronger and more talented than the other. And the people expect one to win, even though they have the ability greater than the other one, but at the time of the match, the lesser one wins. 
because Allah decreed for the lesser one to win and this ability to excel or to be successful in doing something that comes at the time of doing the action this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is part of Allah's divine decree here Imam Tahawi says this second type the type that is related to worldly things good health or instruments or ability yani power, authority uh, control over matters which the person has before they do the action وَبِهَا يَتَعَلَّقُ الْخِطَابُ that it is related or it is this type of istitar capacity or capability which is related or connected to the dictates of the sharia laws concerning responsibility to fulfill commands and refrain from prohibitions yani when Allah orders us to do something or prohibits us from something and he tells us to that a person should do it if they have the ability it means here the second type of ability the second istitar yani the human ability he is not talking about the tawfiq that's from him if you have the tawfiq because nobody has the tawfiq unless Allah gives it to him at the time of trying to do an action so here there are two types of ability or capability or capacity that are being referred to one is the thing that's known that you see the human being having and this is the ability or the istata'ah that Allah is referring to when he commands us or prohibits us from something and he tells us to do anything according to your ability and it means according to your human, human ability then Al-Imam Tahawi says وَهُوَ كَمَا قَالَ تَعَالَى it is as Allah the Most High says لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا that Allah does not charge anyone with a responsibility except that it be within the person's capability وُسْعَهَا yani Allah doesn't ask us to do something except that we have the ability to do it, to fulfill it and this is mentioned in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 286 the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Rahman al-Khamis says concerning this point that al-istata'a capability or ability or capacity is of two types the istata'a that refers to the presence of those instruments that are necessary or those items or those things that are necessary to perform any action yani capacity, capability, strength, power whatever is necessary to do that thing uh, the first type of istata'a is this one that the human being has good, good health or they have the means or the authority or the control over the situation in order to do a particular action this type of istata'a the person possesses it before doing the action yani the original ruling here is that this istata'a is that which the person has before they attempt to do any particular action and it is based on this type of ability or capacity or capability it is the basis of the commands and prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he says in the Quran as we mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah that Allah does not charge anyone or hold anyone responsible for anything except that it is in within their capability or their capacity to fulfill it لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وصعها this is the capacity or the capability or istata'a that is related to the commands and prohibitions of Allah and this is also mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Talaq chapter 55 verse 7 لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا ما آتاها يعني that Allah 
doesn't put a burden or responsibility on a person beyond what he has given him. Yani in terms of matters of spending in the way of Allah, one's, char- one's wealth or, or one's talents or whatever, Allah doesn't require of you to spend in His way any more than according to what Allah has given you. And yani if Allah has given you plenty of wealth, then He may ask you to give of it. But if He didn't give you any wealth, then Allah doesn't hold you responsible for spending in charity if Allah hasn't given you anything. And that's in reference to wealth or other things. So here, the uh, commands and prohibitions that came in the Sharia, in the Quran, or in the Sunnah are related to this type of istata'ah. And responsibility is dependent. The only one being responsible for something is dependent upon their ability in human or worldly things to do it. If a person is crippled, for example, then they are not expected to walk around the Kaaba when they make Hajj. They are allowed to be carried because they don't have the ability to walk. So the responsibility to walk is upon those who have the ability to walk. And those who don't have the ability, Allah doesn't require them to do so. As the Prophet Wasallam uh, said when he was asked about performing the Salat for one who was sick, and he said, pray standing. I order you to pray standing, but if you are not able, then pray sitting. And if you are not able, then lying on your side. So the responsibility to fulfill the commands are based on one's capability or capacity in these matters, such as health and means and so on. Al-Istata'a the second type of istata'a which we mentioned first in the statement of Imam Tahawi, it is the qudra or the power and the irada, the will to use that power to do something. This is not present with the human being except at the time of actually doing the action and this is referred to as al-tawfiq or al-hidayah yani that Allah gives one a tawfiq success when they have the ability to do something at the time that they intend to do it Allah may give them the tawfiq, the success or He may give them the hidayah, the guidance to be able to do that thing which they have the ability to do and the will to do Allah may give them the tawfiq and the hidayah or He may not give it to them if He gives them the tawfiq then they will be able to execute that which they have the ability and the will to do. But if Allah doesn't give them the tawfiq, they will not be able to do that thing. Though they have the ability, the physical abilities, and they have the desire to do so, but Allah might not allow for them to do it. Uh, And this uh, istata'a, this is something that is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And that's why many of the scholars used to close their statements when they used to pray for the Muslims and ask Allah for success in things, they used to say, tawfiq min indillah, that success is with Allah. Even though we may do whatever we want to do, Allah al muwaffaq. That even though we want to do what we want to do, but Allah is the one who grants success. Allah is the one who guarantees success. And no one can do anything or be successful in anything except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables them to do so. There are some comments here from uh, Shaykh al-Albani, but they are lengthy. And in brief, he makes a long quotation from the Majmu' al-Fatawa of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, in which he discusses these two types of istata'a. And in brief, the meaning of what he said, in summary, is that there are two types of istata'a, as we mentioned. And this matter is related to a point of al-Qadr al-Qadr, that some of the sects of Muslims deviated in the past concerning it. 
the Qadariya and the Jabariya or the Ma'atadila and who are Qadariya in this matter uh, they held these two groups one held the belief that the human being has absolute ability to do whatever they will to do without Allah having any authority over it and the other group this is the Qadariya and the other group the Jabariya they held that the human being has no ability to do what they want to do but they are forced to do whatever they do by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Shaykh Al-Sam Ibn Taymiyyah mentions here in this lengthy discussion that both of these opinions are wrong that the human being doesn't have the absolute ability to do whatever he wants to do nor is the human being completely under the compulsion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any will at all both of these are wrong but the correct opinion is that there are two types of istata'ah and both of these if we apply them we will understand how the human being has some ability and he has a will to do something but the final decision in the matter whether he will be successful or not in that matter is based on the istata'ah or the tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for this reason we say that the human being has ability and has will to execute that which they desire to do but that will is subject to Allah's will the human being may desire to do something and Allah if he wills that the person is successful in doing it it will happen if Allah wills that they don't be successful it will not happen and that's why the scholars used to say concerning this matter ma Allah kana wa ma lam yasha lam yakun that whatever Allah wills will be and whatever Allah didn't will will never be so both of these groups who said the human being has absolute authority and ability to do whatever he wills they are wrong and those who said that the human being has no authority or power or will to do anything but a force to do whatever they do are also wrong but we say the human being has some power and has some will and therefore he is accountable for what he wills to do and how he uses that ability whether he uses it to obey Allah's commands or he uses it in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and at the same time the human being's will is not absolute but it is subject to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave him his will and who gave him his ability to execute his will and then Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentions here two verses uh, we'll just mention these two verses he says uh, concerning the first of these matters the first type of ability he said this is mentioned in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 97 that Allah has an oath or Allah has a right وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ that Allah has a right over the people to perform hajj to the base to the Kaaba whoever has the ability to go there to reach it istata' here this is the first type of istata' it is the type that the human being has health and wealth and ability to travel safe way or whatever this will is referring to that that Allah has a right over the human being to perform hajj if they have this istata if they have good health and they have wealth and they have time and there is a safe road for them to go to Mecca then they have the ability the first ability in that case they are responsible they are obligated to make hajj and if they don't do it they are answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-Taghabun verse 16 فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَاعَتُمْ يعني say Allah as much as you can مَسْتَطَاعَتُمْ according to your ability according to your human ability you are responsible to obey Allah to refrain from wrong and to obey Allah in doing good 
مَسْتَطَعَتُمْ According to your human ability to do so, not according to the tawfiq that comes from Allah, that's with Allah alone. The second ayah that he mentions, according to the second istata'a, that is with Allah alone, he mentions the ayah in Surah Hud. I think Surah Hud is uh, 11, verse 20. مَا كَانُوا يَسْتَطِعُونَ السَّمْعَ وَمَا كَانُوا يُبْصِرُونَ That here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they were not able مَا كَانُوا يَسْتَطِعُونَ They were not able السَّمْعَ to hear وَمَا كَانُوا يُبْصِرُونَ Nor were they able to see, though they had ears and they had eyes to see. But they were not able to see or to hear in reference to the disbelievers when they were in this world. They didn't see and they didn't hear, though they had the ability to see and they had the ability to hear, but they didn't see the truth and they didn't listen to it. This istata, ma kanu yastati'una, it means that this is the istata that's with Allah. That Allah didn't give them the tawfiq wal hidayah. He didn't give them the success or the guidance to use that human ability that they had. Yani the hearing and the sight that they had. Uh, and this istata is that which uh, is controlled by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first one, uh, the ability that the human being has is that which is related to the commands and prohibitions and reward and punishment and this is what the scholars of fiqh usually mention in the books of fiqh when they talk about a person is responsible if they have ability whereas the second one is the kawniya uh, or the universal istifar uh, that is the one that is related to al-qadr the divine decree and the execution of it that uh, concerns the success in achieving something or in performing any action and that is what is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, I hope that this matter is somewhat clear uh, and I hope that Allah will make us to understand it and to act in accordance with it Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk If there are any questions or comments or corrections after the adhan inshallah we have a few moments maybe five minutes we can uh, look at those comments or questions Ma'am, are there any uh, questions or any comments before we leave? Ma'am. The first one is everything Allah gives uh, the ability to uh, whatever is command. Uh, first one gave us the capacity, the ability to think. No. The physical uh, things are there, like for example, the eyes, ears. But the uh, free will, or free will, we are given free will, whether to use it in accordance with Allah's command or not. It's the, uh, the second one. No, this is actually. <laughs> one, one type of capacity, ability or capability of the human being is as you mentioned that Allah has given us the uh, skills He has given us uh, health He has given us instruments, tools whatever we may need to do a certain thing and also He has given us a will to use that ability to execute what we want to do. Then he gave us ability and he gave us will to do something. 
based on this, we are accountable if we use it for good or bad. If we will to do something good and use that ability to do good, Allah will reward us. Some people, Allah gave them a lot of wealth. And they have a will. They may decide, shall I use it for gambling? Shall I use it for evil? Or shall I use it to help the poor? To give it in charity? Depending on that ability that Allah has given them, that wealth, for example, in this case. If they have a will, if they use their will to spend it in charity, Allah will reward them for such. If they are doing it for His, and yani sincerely for Him alone. If they use it, that ability, if they use it for evil, to commit crimes, to gamble, to use, use it for drugs, alcohol, prostitution, whatever, and Allah will punish them for it, unless He forgives them, and Allah forgives whomever He will. This is related to the commands and prohibitions. The means to do something, and the will to use that means. The second one is at the time that the person attempts to use that ability. They have the ability to do something and they will to do it. Now they actually proceed and attempt to do it. If they are successful in doing so, it is because Allah has given them the success. Allah has allowed them to do it. Because even though they want to do it and they have the human or worldly physical abilities to do so, Allah may not allow them to do it. This ability to execute that will with the power that you have, to execute it and to bring it about at the actual time of doing it, to be successful in doing so, this is something that comes from Allah alone. Okay, maybe we can say it another way. That if a person, for example, they have a gun and they want to use it to kill someone they know how to shoot a gun they take the gun, they load it and they point at the person and shoot at them they have the ability to do it and they have the will to do it but when they shoot at them sometimes Allah doesn't allow them to execute their will yani they are not able to hit the person or they shoot them, maybe point blank in the head this happened so many times Somebody shot somebody with a high-powered weapon, point-blank in their head and they live. They had the ability and the desire to kill that person. But Allah didn't give them the success to do it. Because the final execution or the implementation, the use of that ability is with Allah. Allah may allow it to achieve your goal or He may prevent it from achieving your goal. Though from the worldly perspective you would say there's no doubt about it. This guy is going to kill that man. We see him going after him. And he has a big gun. And the guy has no way to escape. We said he's going to kill him. But not if Allah prevents it. If Allah doesn't will, no matter. Even though he has the ability to do it, he cannot do it. And the perfect example of this is the incident that's mentioned in the Quran. In the history of the Prophet Ibrahim salam, When the pagan disbelievers wanted to kill him. And they started a big fire. A fire that was so big that no one could get near it except it would burn them up. And after they put fuel in it and let it burn and burn and burn until it became so great that it was frightening, they threw him in it. They had the ability and the will to burn him up in the fire. But Allah didn't allow it to happen. He, they threw him in the fire and Allah made the fire to be cool for him.
bard and salam. Allah made it cool and He also made it safe for him so that it caused no harm to him. This means that when someone has an ability and they have a will to do something, even though from the worldly perspective, from the material perspective, we will say they definitely are going to do it. But the actual execution and fulfillment of that action, it depends on whether or not Allah allows it. Because Allah has power over everything. And Allah, His will and His power is greater than the human being's will and power. So Allah may prevent your will and He may prevent your power from the execution of that which you intend to do. That's the best I can do for now. <laughs> now. This is a long topic which we discussed in detail before. And there are books too lengthy written about it. But let me say this, that in general we say that what Allah has decreed, it will not change for sure. It will never change. But it is possible that there is some decree that appears to change due to the righteous actions of the human beings. Yani, uh, whoever it has been decreed that they are going to paradise, for sure they will go to paradise. It will not change. It will not change. But it's possible that it may appear as though it is decreed for them to go to hellfire. They might be doing evil deeds and the deeds of the sinners and the disbelievers and the pagans and the mushriks for their whole life. And you may say, this person is destined for the hellfire. It may look like that. But before they die, as the Prophet ﷺ said, a person may be an arm's length from the place that it looks like they are going to and then that which is written may overcome them and they may begin to do the deeds of the opposite and then they would enter the opposite. Yani the person may be doing the deeds of the people of hellfire and when they are only at arm's length, a close distance from falling into the hellfire, that which is written, that which is decreed will overcome them and they will start doing the deeds of the people of paradise and they will enter the paradise. And the opposite is also true. This means, it doesn't mean that the decree was changed because they started doing good deeds and Allah changed the decree. It was already decreed from the beginning because Allah already knew who's going to change, who's going to do different things even before they do it. Allah has perfect knowledge of everything. So even if a person, for example, supplicates, supplication, it pushes back the qadr, according to a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning what? Meaning that the supplication was also decreed. Yeah, and it's something, affliction was going to befall someone. Maybe a building fell. And we saw the building coming down. And there are some people there. They are, they are going to die, no doubt. It's going to crush them. There's no chance that they may live. And they call on Allah, oh Allah save us from this. And Allah accepts the supplication and saves them from it somehow in a miraculous way. This means that not that the decree was changed, but it means that Allah already knew that when that calamity was about to befall them, that they would turn to Him and supplicate Him. And it was already written that they would supplicate Him and that He would save them from that. Whatever we think, is a changing of the divine decree, it's not a changing of it. But it is as Allah already decreed it to be in the beginning. It is as Allah already decreed it to be in the beginning, there's no change in it, because Allah's knowledge is perfect. And nothing can happen, except that Allah already knew that it's going to happen. In His universe, His creatures, He already knows every minute detail of everything that's going to happen until Yawm Qiyamah. Now, Is there any final comment or question? 
I hope that somewhat answers your question. Otherwise, what you can do, we can uh, provide you with some information that's more detailed, uh, which may explain this particular issue for you. There are some books, uh, some small books and also comprehensive books. There's a book called uh, Divine Decree by Sheikh uh, Suhaib Hassan from England, which he discussed the matters related to this in some detail. And there's also uh, the Sharh Usul Iman, the explanation of the fundamentals of Iman by Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, which one of those things that he explains is Divine Decree and he talks about some of these issues. And there's a very comprehensive book called the Qadha wal Qadha, I don't remember the exact title of it, but it's related to Divine Decree of the, based on the Aqeed of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah or something like this, it's by Dr. Salih al Salih. In that book, he discussed this matter in complete detail. And he answers all of the questions about which there is some confusion or doubt and explains them uh, in a comprehensive way that perhaps, inshallah, would be more than sufficient for anyone who has any questions related to this matter. These books are available. They are in English. Uh, whoever wants to refer to them, inshallah, I can give you a reference. Maybe next week, if you remind me, a reference for those books that are dealing with Qadr wal Qadha that are available in English. There are at least about six or seven or eight books that I know of in English that are very good dealing with this topic. Inshallah, I'll try to bring uh, a copy of that reference uh, or those references for you, inshallah, next time. But if you remind me, if you don't remind me, maybe I will forget by next time. Faith. Oh, questions from the sisters. But I think, uh, how much time is remaining for the salat? Uh, regarding the things which will take place during the day of resurrection, which are mentioned in point 82. Does this include the disbelievers and pagans who are bound to the hellfire, especially the passing over the bridge of Sirat and weighing good deeds and bad deeds? All of these things are not applicable to the disbelievers. For example, the passing over the bridge, according to the correct opinion, is applicable to everyone. Everyone would pass over the bridge, some would fall in and some would not make it, and they wouldn't make it across. Uh, and also the weighing of deeds is applicable to the believers because the disbelievers have no deeds to weigh they, their deeds would not weigh anything uh, but they would be headed directly to the hellfire so some of these things are related only to the believers and some of them are related to everyone uh, now the other question is if a husband has the ability to take his wife to heart but doesn't and she dies not having performed it Will it be will will he be responsible to Allah? Now, uh, a woman is responsible to make Hajj just like a man is. A man and a woman are both responsible to make Hajj. It's obligatory on them as long as they have the uh, they fulfill the conditions that are necessary for Hajj. And as long as they have good health and they have the money and they have the means to travel and the way is safe. Uh, they have the time and whatever, as long as they have all this, those things, it's, it's obligatory on them to do it instantly, as soon as the Hajj comes and it cannot be delayed, according to the, the most correct opinion. As for the woman, there's an extra condition, and that condition is that she has to have a mahram, a person from amongst her close relatives who, who she cannot marry, such as her father or her brother or her son or her uncle, including her husband. Uh, if she doesn't have a mahram, even though she has everything else, then it's not obligatory on her to perform the Hajj. Therefore, if uh, she doesn't have a mahram, or she has a mahram, her husband or otherwise, but they don't take her, even though she wants to go and she asks to go and they don't take her, then uh, there's, no, there's no blame against her. She is not responsible, because as long as she doesn't have someone to take her, then there's no obligation on her to perform the hajj. And I think it said, will a husband be responsible to Allah? It's clear that he will be responsible to Allah. 
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك